0: Well, we long for the day when we'll dwell in Zion, and uh, the anticipation of that is, in fact, what livens our lives and brings us here this morning to worship the God of heaven. Thank you for being here to enjoy this time together and honoring the God of heaven and preparing ourselves to be with Him in eternity. And really, that's kind of what the lesson is about this morning. Many in the world have dedicated themselves to gaining material wealth, because to them that's what life is all about. But the following Christ knows that material wealth is not what life is all about, that we're storing up for ourselves treasures in heaven, treasures that are eternal, where moth and rust don't corrupt, and where thieves don't break through and steal, and where uh, things don't get old and decay and wear away. For heaven is eternal, and the spiritual things and the spiritual people that will inhabit it Jesus said that one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. It is the spiritual treasure of eternal fellowship with God that is the real profit in life and in living. And so this morning we'll think about and study about things that are eternal, things that are spiritual, and things by which then we may really profit in this life if we will seek them. If spiritual things were money, how much money would you have? We have, many of us, pursued the making of material things, of real, physical money. But if spiritual things were money, how much would we have? There are things in this world that profit us spiritually, There are things that do not profit us spiritually, and there are things that are wholly unprofitable to us spiritually. That is, they take away from our spiritual wealth. They rob us of spiritual wealth, and they lead to moral bankruptcy. The critical thing as Christians is that we know the difference, that we understand what's really profitable, what's really wealth, what is enduring and therefore valuable, and what is temporary. And therefore, ultimately, worthless. What are we pursuing in life? I want to talk about that question. What does it profit? What does it profit? That is the question. that should be, in fact, in one way, the very guiding principle of all our lives. As as we think about, am I going to do this thing? Am I going to give myself over to this thing, whatever it is? Am I going to participate in this? Am I going to seek this? Am I going to desire this? Whatever the this is, whatever the that is? Is it spiritually profitable? Is there some aspect of it that can be spiritually profitable? That's the question I need to ask myself. What does it profit if I do this? If I engage in this, if I strive for this? What does it profit? What does it profit spiritually? God teaches the, us the difference between what is profitable and what is unprofitable spiritually. Isaiah 48 and verse 17. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. He's not talking about, the Lord isn't talking about making people millionaires. He's talking about making people who can spend eternity with Him, who profit spiritually. In our lesson this morning, we certainly will not look at every last thing that is spiritually profitable. But there are some things in Scripture that are specifically said to be spiritually profitable, and it's those things that we're going to focus on. And these may not be the things that when normally or readily, I might say, come to your mind if I just ask you the question, what is spiritually profitable? But these are the things that God teaches us for sure that are spiritually profitable. And the first of them is labor. It's profitable to work. Especially as you contrast that with sloth and laziness. The wise man says in Proverbs 13 and verse 4, that the soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. I like the use of the word soul there. Because as we studied in the lesson last Sunday evening, that takes us to the core of man, doesn't it? To our persons and not just our physical being, but who we are as individuals now and in eternity. And so the soul, can be made rich by being diligent, by working. In Proverbs 14 and verse 23, the wise man says there that in all labor there is profit, but idle chatter leads only to poverty. Let's focus on the first part of that first. In all labor there is profit. You might say, well, you know, I've worked hard and this and that and uh, I don't seem to have gotten anything out of that. Yes, you did. <laughs> yes, you did. In all labor there is profit. Working is better than laziness. In and of itself, working is better than sloth. Labor is a problem in America, isn't it? Our, our labor force is shrinking. It's not because of the population. It's because people don't want to work. Because people don't see the value in laboring. If they can have it, give it to, given to them, They will choose every time, it seems to me, not to labor, not to work. And more and more, our society over the last few decades has become a society where a lot of people are given to sloth and refuse to work. It certainly doesn't apply to everybody, but you see more and more of it, don't you? Because here we are, a nation that's built on a work ethic that we have lost. We have lost the idea that work is good in and of itself, whether you get anything for it or not. I know that many of you have spent a a good bit of time teaching this value to your children. Uh, When we came to Eastside a dozen years or so ago, the second year I was we were here, I had a cancer diagnosis. And the fall of that year, I was kind of not in very good shape. And as I remember it, um, I, I looked out the window of the house over here one fall morning, and uh, there were guys out working in my yard. And, uh, in fact, two of them are sitting right back there. They were known as the Ceota Boys. And uh, I think their dad maybe had them working out there cleaning up my leaves. I'm saying all of that to say, not to commend them. They don't need that. But, uh, but to say, here's a dad who's training his boys to work for the benefit of working. And, of course, to do something good for somebody else. Here's something we can do. Here's something that's valuable because it's doing something that is valuable. Parents or children need to learn this lesson in the world in which we live especially where so many things are easy where convenience is the byword of the day. We need to learn the value of work. There are much better children are learning the value of work than sitting around playing on their phones all day. I can guarantee you that. In his book entitled How Deep Is This Pothole Ian Clark wrote that if a country could be built by a bunch of men sitting around talking, Uganda would be one of the greatest countries in the world. But a country cannot be built by a bunch of people sitting around talking or on their cell phones. It must be built by labor. Spiritual labor is especially profitable, though, because its results are enduring. Physical work results in temporary accomplishments. You get a benefit from it. You're made stronger by it. You're, it builds your character. You learn how to work. All of that is good. You get a benefit from all work that way. But the results of it are typically temporary in this world. So the housewife prepares food, and it's eaten, and then you got to prepare the next meal. And so there's a temporary benefit to that. The house gets clean, but then the house gets dirty. You have to clean it again, and the cycle goes on and on. The clothes get clean, the clothes get dirty, and the cycle goes on and on. They get dirty again. You take out the trash, and before you know it, you have to take out the trash again. So all of this work has temporary benefit. You build a house. It's going to stand for 100 years, but it's not going to stand forever. You build a rocket. It's going to fly to the moon and back, but it's not going to exist forever. there are some things that exist forever. And these are the things that we must focus on and choose to do. Jesus said this, John 6 and verse 27. He said, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life. He is not saying, don't work for your bread. He is saying, focus on working for bread that endures forever. We have to work to eat physically. But Jesus is saying, work to eat spiritually. Work for the sustenance that will endure for eternity. Work for a relationship with Jesus Christ. He is, in this context, He will say multiple times in John 6, I am the bread of life. I am the bread that came down from heaven. I am the bread that if you eat of Me, you will live forever. Work for that. Work for taking him into you. That's spiritual profit. Labor in the Lord and for the Lord has everlasting benefits. The bread that endures for everlasting life. In 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 58, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for you know. That your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You're not doing this for nothing. It's not something that you're going to do and it's going to vanish away or disappear. But work that's done in the Lord endures forever. That's part of laying up for yourselves treasure in heaven. God will not forget the work and labor of love which you've shown toward His name. Hebrews 6 and verse 10. God will not forget it. We talk about elephants having long memories. God has an eternal memory. And he will not forget what you have done. Labor for the Lord benefits us, it benefits others, and the benefits can be eternal. Paul will write to Titus in Titus chapter 3 and verse 8: This is a faithful saying. These things I want you to affirm constantly: that those who have believed God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. What things? Doing good works. You're going to help others. That'll be profitable to them, but I don't think that's what Paul's saying. I think really what he's saying is the profit is in doing the work of the Lord, the benefit is in doing God's work, and you carry that with you for eternity. What's the practical application of what we've just said? Every day, we have so many things that we have to do just to exist in this world. More and more in our society, as we said, those become less and less. Whereas, you know, you might might have in times past had to spend, you know, all day killing the chicken to eat and plucking it and boiling it and frying it and then, you know, everything else. And so that was an all-day thing just to get supper ready. That's not the case anymore. So most of us have much more that we can get done but also frankly more spare time if we want to or more time that we have discretion as to how we use it so the question right now is how with the time that you can choose to use now some again sometimes taken that you don't have a choice about but a lot of time nowadays especially you can choose how you're going to use it how are you going to use it is it going to be to do nothing Or to do something? And if you choose it to do something, choose to use it to do something, is that thing going to be profitable eternity in eternity? Or temporary? What does it profit? Labor is profitable. Wisdom is profitable. Wisdom in Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 11, it says, is good with an inheritance and profitable to those who see the sun. If you're someone who's living under the sun, wisdom's good for you to have. The book of Ecclesiastes is kind of all about that. And yet, in and of itself, the wisdom is valuable. It doesn't profit if we don't couple it. With a relationship with God and using it in his service. But wisdom is valuable. It has great value. So Solomon says in Proverbs 3 and verse 13: Happy is the man who finds wisdom, and the man who gains understanding. Her proceeds are better than the profit of silver, and her gain than fine gold. So if you're interested in material things, the silver and the gold of this world, wisdom profits you more than that. She is more precious than rubies. All the things you may desire cannot compare with her. So every physical thing is not as valuable as wisdom. Why is that? Wisdom is profitable. Is more profitable than wealth. Because a man can do more with wisdom than he can do with money. To make his life better. To make the lives of his loved ones better. To prepare himself for eternity. A person can do a whole lot more with wisdom than he can with money. And it is God who gives us wisdom. When we talk about wisdom, what are we talking about? We're talking about the ability to choose well. We're talking about the ability to use our knowledge to make a positive difference. The ability to use our knowledge. We have knowledge, but to use it, that's wisdom. And in the right way, to make good choices with it. If you lack wisdom, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, nothing doubting. So we we must go to God for wisdom. And certainly God possesses wisdom that oh, it's just so far beyond anything that we could come up with on our own. So if I were to take a poll this morning and we went around and asked Have you, even maybe in the last week, had some decision to make, something that you maybe thought you should say to someone, you didn't know if you should say it or not, something you should do, or maybe you didn't know if you should do it or not, a choice to make one way or the other in your life, and you really kind of grappled with it, maybe just for a second, but maybe longer than that? I'm not going to take the poll, but if I were to ask to raise hands, how many of you in the last week have had some kind of decision like that? I think most hands would go up. What do you need to make that choice? To make that, You need wisdom. Did you think about praying for wisdom? Because you need it. It would profit you to have it. Your life would be better if it, if, if you had it. In Romans 11 and verse 33, Paul talks about the wisdom of God. And he talks of the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. God's wisdom is so deep and so rich. And yet he's willing to share it with us. We have but to ask. We have but to ask. Godliness is profitable. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 6, Godliness with contentment is great gain. Great gain. What is godliness? It's living a life that's pleasing to God. It's living a life with God in mind in all that we do. It's living a life that fulfills God's expectations for us. We gain godliness by exercising, by practicing it in all aspects of our lives. Timothy is told in 1 Timothy 4, last part of verse 7 starting, it says, exercise yourself toward godliness. Bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things. We're talking about things that are profitable. Godliness is profitable for all things, having the promise of the life that now is, And the life that is to come. Godliness will make this life better and the life to come better. It is, again, one of these things that is profitable because it is enduring. It lasts. Not just through this life, but beyond this life. Many activities that we can choose to engage in have elements in them that can help us practice godliness, but also can help us practice ungodliness. I'll give you for instance, almost any sporting activity can be something that helps you exercise godliness, or that helps you exercise ungodliness. So, sometimes it's not the activity itself, but what it is that you're doing in the activity. Right? So, you're engaged in a basketball game, for instance. And maybe you get mad at the other team. Maybe you hurt the, uh, another player intentionally. Maybe you yell at the ref. Maybe you try to cheat by you know, fouling when the ref's not looking. Or maybe you show sportsmanship. Maybe you show kindness to a competitor who's lost. Or grace when you've lost. Maybe you show that you're going to keep the rules and honor the rules and you're going to respect authority, the authority of the referee, for instance. All of those things are godly things to do. Your choice is either to exercise godliness or not in many aspects of life. At your workplace. As we said, engaged in sports and recreation. Sometimes it's not the thing itself that you choose, but how you choose to do the thing that is exercising yourself to godliness. But I must say that that is what is profitable. Every activity then that we invest ourselves in should be evaluated as to whether or not we can and will engage in exercising godliness. If you cannot do it and exercise godliness, don't do it. If you can do it, And exercise godliness. It will profit you. It will help you. Exercise yourself to godliness. It's profitable. Scripture is profitable. That's why we're here this morning, I think, partly. That's why we're listening to this sermon. We're we're hoping maybe Steve is going to say something that's going to profit me. (laughs) Maybe I'll get something out of this that's going to help me go to heaven. And in sharing Scripture, there's at least a likelihood that that could happen because the Scripture is profitable. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. It is profitable. And I want you to notice, first of all, it's profitable for doctrine. When you receive Scripture, God's Word, a lot of the time you're going to receive it as teaching. That's what doctrine is. You're hopefully receiving it now as teaching. It's only going to be profitable to you if you believe it. The Israelites had the Word of God preached to them. But many who wandered in the wilderness, it it did not profit them. The Hebrew writer explains Indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard. So, here are people who heard the scriptures, which could profit them, or heard the word of God, I should say, that which could profit them, but it, it did not profit them because they didn't believe it. It's not just hearing it, right? It's not just hearing the scripture that's going to profit you. It's not just reading it that's going to profit you. You've got to believe it. You've got to believe it. Paul says about the gospel that he preached to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13, it effectively works in you who believe. It works if you believe it. And you will work if you believe it. You'll put it into practice, and we'll talk about that some more in just a minute. Good doctrine then, good teaching from Scripture is profitable. And the more time in your life you can spend gaining knowledge from Scripture and believing the knowledge that you gain, the more profit, the more spiritual wealth you'll have. It's valuable then to come well, just here to listen to sermons and participate in the Bible classes, take advantage of gospel meetings that are going on in other places that we're Well-blessed in this area with a number of other congregations that sometimes will have really uh, capable gospel preachers come in, preach gospel meetings, take advantage of those opportunities. We have, in the digital world in which we live, access to uh, podcasts and uh, YouTube videos of preachers all over the world. And uh, some, at least of them, are well worth listening to and helpful to us. That's all profitable. I know several of you, uh, when you're driving in the car, going to work or whatever it is, like to listen to podcasts of sermons that are preached by good gospel preachers. That's a good use of your time. That's profitable. In Acts 20 and verse 20, Paul reminded the Ephesian elders, the ESV says, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable, but teaching you in public and from house to house. Good doctrine is a means of gaining profit from Scripture. But the Hebrew writer warns us in Hebrews 13 and verse 9, Do not be carried about by various and strange doctrines, because there are some doctrines that are unprofitable. There are some doctrines that will rob you of your spiritual wealth. So be careful about those. He says, it is good that the heart be established by grace and not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. Chastening is profitable. Chastening is profitable. When I was a boy, I received a number of spankings. At the time, I really didn't see the profit in those. (laughs) But they were profitable. They did me a lot of good. I don't know if I ever received one that I didn't deserve. I, I probably didn't receive some that I did deserve, so I'm sure that evened out. But they were all good for me. Chastening is good for us. It's not enjoyable, but it's good for us, and it's profitable, and we need to see it that way. And taking chastening, receiving chastening, learning the lessons from it, is extremely profitable. The writer in the book of Hebrews in chapter 12 and verse 9 says, We had human fathers that corrected us. We paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they, for a few days chastened us as seemed good to them. That is, my dad disciplined me as he thought best. But God chastens us for our profit that we may be partakers of His holiness. How does God chasten us? Well, that's a lesson in and of itself, and uh, so we're already in another lesson right now. I'm not going to preach that whole lesson. (laughs) But God chastens us, certainly through His Word, which sometimes hurts our feelings a little bit, causes us some pain when we realize we're not complying with it. God might chasten us by allowing us to experience some trials in our lives, difficulties, some afflictions. He allows that to happen to us. Again, not fun. But we grow stronger. We learn from it. God chastens us for our profit. God knows just how to correct us, just how to chasten us, just what we need. He wants us to be partakers of His holiness, and He wants His chastening to yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness, that we will do and be right. And so earlier in this context in Hebrews 12, um, the writer had begun this section, really, by saying, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. Chastening should not be despised. It should be valued. It may be hard to do that while you're going through it, while you're experiencing it. But it's valuable. Having talked about a number of things that are profitable to us, I want to spend just a few minutes talking about some things that are unprofitable. Some things that rob us of spiritual profit. And as you might suspect, a couple of these things are exactly the opposite of what we've just talked about. But notice these warnings from Scripture. First of all, strife and contention is universally unprofitable. If we're going to fight and fuss with one another, there is no good thing that's going to come out of that. No good thing. And it's not going to help you, me, or anybody eternally. If there are things we need to disagree about, and go to the Scriptures and resolve, we can do that if there are things that are a matter of personal judgment, I can receive you and you can receive me. But as Paul warns in Romans chapter 14, not to doubtful disputations. Receive one another and not to doubtful disputations. If it's something God says, we can agree on it in His Word. But over and over again, the Bible warns us of the unprofitableness of strife and contention. Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 14 that as he preaches, Timothy is to remind us of these things, charging us before God not to strive about words to no profit to the ruin of the hearers. I have literally, folks, been in a Bible class several many years ago now where there was a a pretty good argument that went on in the Bible class. It was not all that brotherly, frankly. And we had a, a newborn babe in Christ in that Bible class who never came to that congregation again, ever. It ruined that person because of how a couple of brethren in a Bible class fussed at one another. To the ruin of the hearers. Titus chapter 3 and verse 9. Avoid foolish disputes genealogies, contentions, and strivings about the law. They are unprofitable and useless. The second thing that's unprofitable is grieving our leaders through disobedience. When I think about the monumental tasks that our elders have here at Eastside in caring for this flock, feeding it, guiding it in the right direction, protecting it from wolves, allowing it to accomplish things that are the things that glorify God. It's a lot of work. They don't need uncooperative sheep, I can tell you that. They don't need rebellious ones. They don't need ones that are always ba ba bang, bang. you know? You know what I mean by that? <laughs> we have a cat that every just once in a while starts meowing at the top of its lungs, I suppose, for no particular reason. That doesn't happen often. But It's annoying, right? Sheep can be that way. People can be that way. Listen to the wise man in Scripture. Hebrews 13 and verse 17. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. They watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief for that would be unprofitable to you that would be unprofitable to you. Let your leaders lead with joy. Cooperate with them. Be submissive. Be respectful. Be helpful. The job is hard enough. Faith without works is unprofitable. I was saying earlier, we noticed from Scripture, that when you receive Scripture, it's profitable. To really get the profit out of it, you have to believe it. But to go beyond that, to really get the profit out of it, you have to do what you believe. You have to act on your faith. Otherwise, all of that is not profitable. James deals with this, the profit of faith being melded with works in James chapter 2. And of course, he asks the question, 2 and verse 14, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says, says he has faith but does not have works? The question's rhetorical. It doesn't profit anything. You can hear the Word of God, you can study the Word of God, you can receive the Word of God, you can believe the Word of God, but if you don't do the Word of God, what you believe, it is unprofitable. James asked the question, James 2 and verse 16, to illustrate his point. He says, what if someone says to you, depart in peace, you know, you come, you need, you need food, you need clothing, and they, come, then they say to you, depart in peace, be warmed and filled. You don't give them the things that are needed for the body, what does it profit? It doesn't profit. And so faith without works doesn't profit. Lastly, things that rob spiritual profit, that steal us from our riches in Christ, steal away from us our riches in Christ, laboring for that which is not permanent. We've already said that there is profit in all labor. The Bible says that. But if all labor is only for that which is material, for that which exists under the sun, as the writer of Ecclesiastes would say, then all labor will be ultimately lost. The writer of Ecclesiastes in Ecclesiastes 5 and verse 16 says this. He says, There is a severe evil That just as exactly as a a man came into the world, so he shall go. And what profit has he labored? What profit has he who has labored for the wind? In other words, you come into this life, you live your life, you work, you play, you enjoy pleasure, you do all that you do in life, and then you die. And what good is all of that? A wise man understands there is no good in all that. It's striving after the wind. It is vanity. It is emptiness. When he gets to the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, let's hear the conclusion of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep His commandment. commandments. For this is, this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every work in into judgment with every secret thing whether it's good or evil. In other words, we have a judgment day to face. And if we have not lived this life preparing for that life, we have wasted our life. If we are not ready for eternity, if we have not done the things in this world to prepare ourselves for eternity, our life here has been wasted. We will die and be forever without God. So that brings us to the question of Jesus in Matthew 16 and verse 26. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Every person here this morning then who is of thoughtful, accountable age should be thinking, am I ready for eternity? Am I doing these, the things in my life that prepare me for eternity? That are spiritual riches that I can carry with me? What will it profit a man? What are you doing with your life? Are you profiting spiritually? Somebody here today may realize that your life is being wasted. Wasted. Because you're not ready for God. You're not ready for heaven can choose to change. How you spend your life is your choice. Spend it in a way that brings eternal profit. Serve the Lord. If you're ready to do that today and commit to doing that, we'd love to help you. If you're outside of Christ, we'd love to help you become a Christian by believing in Jesus, confessing His name, turning away from sin, and being baptized for the remission of your sins. And maybe there are some who are Christians here who just have got caught up in a lot of things of the world, and realize that your life is is not profiting. What about changing that today? We'd ask you to come while we stand, while we sing.